Yeah. For the dogs, them, you know? All right, this is the very first podcast for the Sports Mecca. We call it the Bounce Pass. This is your host, Stephen Abramo, with my colleague Noel Burketto from Canada. That's me. London, Ontario. So, the first episode, we're going to be talking about the NBA. We've got a variety of topics that we're going to be talking about tonight. And I think pretty obvious topic that we can that we should start off with is the Jimmy Butler news. So if you didn't if you didn't already know, you probably hopefully you weren't living under a rock, but the news did break out a couple of days ago that Jimmy Butler was traded to Philadelphia from Minnesota and in exchange Sixers had to give up Robert Covington, Dario Saric, I believe a second round pick, is that correct? In 2019? Yeah, and, a, and, a, and a 2022 second round pick. Yeah, I I think that that is pretty steep. I think that's pretty steep. You know, I think Philadelphia did give up a lot for a rental. But yeah, just like, you know, I was going to say, Noah, so how do you feel about this trade? You know, what kind of stands out to you the most? Um, I think to me, uh, I think it ultimately, not, not only does it affect the Sixers in, in a drastic way, like they're going to have to kind of scramble around and they've got that, they've got some positional issues and some lineup issues to deal with now. Um, on the other hand, thinking about Minnesota, I don't know how you can say Minnesota really won the deal because they have to move Wiggins back to the two. And I just, I don't think he is an apt enough ball handler to handle that transition smoothly with a guy who shoots such low percentages in Covington alongside him. It's just not a good mix. And their offense could be really, really bad, mm-hmm. uh, even with Carl Towns and Jeff Teague. So, right. yeah, I mean, I thought, you know, definitely last year you saw Minnesota. They really relied a lot on Jimmy Butler, and when Butler went down last year. Minnesota went down, and I agree with you. I don't know if this is really a good move, and who knows, this might be a move that, in the end. I don't know. It's a, it's probably not going to be his fault, but I could very well see Tom Thibodeau getting fired at the end of this year. W- would you say that that's a possibility? I think Tom Thibodeau is the uh, – I think he's the biggest loser of this deal, mostly because, you know, Butler requested out in June. That's right. – once that news got out, I think that totally just – reset how everyone was seeing the situation because we didn't really hear about hear about Butler wanting out until probably it was after free agency right it was after there were some major signings right so I mean 
What if, like this this trade for for Minnesota? I don't know if you can even call it like a culture reset because defensively, I wouldn't really consider Saric and Towns to be a really stout front court. No. And then you think about the offensive inefficiencies and how average Jeff Teague is. Like, the Jeff Teague experience is just is 13 or 14 points a game, and it's pretty solid buckets. Mm-hmm. It's at a decent percentage, and he'll shoot some, shoot some from outside, but, you know, he's not going to he's, – he's, he's pretty well a sieve on the defensive side, and mm-hmm. – this T Wolves roster is just not built, not built to win. On right. the other hand, I think what we were trying to get at is how good it looks for the Sixers now that they have Butler and Simmons and MB. Yeah, they they really kind of reset the tone too. In the East, this is like they're restarting the season all over again with this deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To kind of go along with both of your points, so the, the point about Minnesota, I do think that they probably improved a little bit in terms of defense just by getting Covington, but I think that their their growth in terms of you know moving up the food chain of the Western Conference is pretty much stalled. I mean, because who knows if who knows the direction of where they go with Wiggins? I mean, obviously they, they extended him, but. Uh, it, 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 it's it's frustrating. I don't really see where Minnesota is going with this. I mean, obviously, you would think that they would they have they obviously had to make the move with Butler, but they didn't really get better. And I don't think they're going to get better in the future. But yeah, back to the back to the Sixers. You know, I think we can probably say maybe the the process is pretty much over now since they got their three guys. Um, yeah. I said I wasn't really surprised that they got the deal done. You know, I was more surprised of how it actually happened, how they got it in the first month of the season. I thought this was a move that Philly was going to probably make towards the summer, towards maybe July, August potentially of 2019. But it's interesting Philly's roster is now carried out, you know. Embiid's really having probably his best season of his NBA career right now. He's playing off the charts. But I'm pretty intrigued about where they, how they use Jimmy Butler. Because Butler, really, you can't use as an off-ball player. He's more of a guy that you can just dominate in the pick and roll. And it's going to be interesting to see how Simmons works with Butler and... Also, Marco Fultz. I mean, I you know I don't know if you watched it today, but Marco Fultz had weird hitch in his free throw sh- uh, free throw tonight, and you know I'm curious because I don't really know if Marco Fultz is going to be the player that we that Sixers fans think he is. Like I said, I think that the the big three now you can call it the big three of Butler. And beating Simmons is going to be very good. And I think it improved their odds in the Eastern Conference, but it's just going to be interesting because Saric was a good offensive player. You know, I th- Robert Covington, I thought, was up and down, but, you know, they still, they still got, they still got JJ Redick. Um, 
And if Butler can become a shooter for them, that, that would help out. But do you think that this makes Philly probably the second, third best team in the East right now? Or no? Or not? maybe not yet? Well, for Philly, I think the next step is just start to fill out more of your roster. They've got guys like Landry Shamit mm-hmm. and Furkan Korkmaz that will be able to step in now after this trade. Um, I think TJ McConnell becomes just you know, really their MVP in a way because he'll he'll be able to provide you know enough spacing and playmaking in an offense that's desperately going to need it with Simmons and Butler and Redick even. But, you know, all of these great offenses in NBA history with the big three, very rarely is it with a seven-footer and a unique seven-footer. Embiid is just... Embiid's currently leading the NBA in scoring, as far as I know. I know he's the most valuable player in fantasy, but <laughs> he's um, he and Simmons and Butler and the rest of this roster is in really good shape too. Um, this move doesn't really affect their long-term flexibility. Uh, they can still kind of get around twenty million in cap space this summer, even with Butler's cap hold right now, and they can get close to max cap space with trades. So. It wouldn't even be in the tax and they could pay Butler or Max, but you know, that would make a Simmons extension a really difficult thing. You know what? No, it wouldn't. <laughs> you pay Simmons Max no matter what. I mean, this is your big three now, yeah. It's uh it was it was a good move by Alden Brand. Butler was just Butler was this saga is so funny. It's yeah. got like on like a pop culture level. I feel like this has to just mm-hmm seep into everyone's day and they just have to be able to enjoy it after knowing what Butler did to Minnesota and now he's just mm-hmm. out of there because he wanted to be you know right and <laughs> it, is, it, it is it is a savage move but it's interesting it's just kind of interesting how you know he didn't like he you know Jimmy Butler just really grew tired he grew tired of the culture there in Minnesota playing alongside Wiggins and Embiid do you think that that same culture that affected Butler in Minnesota can carry over in Philly. Just, you know, I guess what I'm trying to say is, is this going to be more of a Butler problem? Because I mean, Carl Anthony Towns, Andrew Wiggins, you can are pretty much relatively the same age as Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. They're two young budding stars, two fixtures of the franchise. And now Jimmy Butler is added in there. Do you think that Butler will affect the chemistry? I think Philly's a pretty tough team overall. Um, I think they're well coached with Brett Brown. Uh, Brown said today he thinks uh, Butler's spirit embodies the city of Philadelphia. It kind of does because it kind of aggravates me a little bit. (laughs) Nobody really likes Philly that much unless you live in Philly. That's just how it is. It's the same thing as New York sports fans and right. Boston too, but that's different for you, I guess. <laughs> yep. Yep. 
Um, but yeah, we, we, we will get into Boston. We'll get into a couple of the teams in the Eastern Conference and Western Conference, but um, we'll get to that very soon. But we'll go to kind of the second point um, of, this, of this podcast would be what the heck is going on with Carmelo Anthony? Is, you know, Carmelo Anthony, time's coming up. I believe it is, is I believe Houston got rid of him, correct? I don't know if it's official yet, but if it's not official, it's a really poorly kept secret. <laughs> right, and I mean, you know, Houston, we obviously know that they've been off to a very slow start, and I think they'll turn it around, you know, that they have too good of a roster to stay mediocre for the rest of the season. You know, it just... This is not really focused on Houston. It's really focusing on Carmelo Anthony. And, you know, his career is kind of falling off. And it's disappointing, but it's not really surprising considering, you know, he's played 15 years in the league. But do you think that, you know, now it appears that Carmelo Anthony's stint with Houston's already over? And a month, you know, the 2018 season's a month old. Do you think Carmelo well, Anthony's his, his career's kind of reached the end? Um, no, I think, I think Houston's roster, I think they tried to cheat last year and they, they, they made it out well on some good veteran minimum guys like Luke Richard and, uh, and Bob Mute and, uh, you know, Trevor Reza, who's now gone, but you know, these were like the defense there and the, the, the defensive versatility, it allowed them to switch everything, and they're still doing that. And now they just look lost. Like BJ Tucker will guard a point guard, and before you know it, James Harden's getting posted up under the net. It just right now the basketball there doesn't make sense, and Carmelo's not really the kind of deteriorating force you want in like a contending offense. So I think. I think Carmelo Anthony has some juice left for sure. I think he needs to go to a rebuilding team and play uh, kind of a, a role-playing role uh, or maybe um, just like working with the young players like maybe in Sacramento or, heck, Atlanta. They do have Vince Carter, but just an idea to throw out there. I think... That'd yeah. be funny if Carmelo would go to Atlanta, but so you think that his days of of playing on a contender is over? I mean, yeah, Cause, there's cause a pretty good chance because we've seen it now with Houston. We saw it last year with Oklahoma City. <laughs> it, it it is kind of funny, you know. I was here, I was on Twitter the other day and heard rumors about. Celtics going after Carmelo Anthony. Saw even a Carmelo Anthony uh, Celtics Photoshop. You know, that's probably not going to happen. But, um, you know, speaking of young teams, it, you know, they're not in the situation as the Hawks are. But would you even consider Carmelo Anthony getting picked up by the Lakers? I mean... He's they're a just so they're he, so overstocked at the forward position. It just doesn't make any sense. Uh huh. Because you mentioned veteran, 
and obviously LeBron's a veteran. He's he's same age as Kamal Anthony. Um, both came from the same draft. But you know the Lakers still have a relatively young core. Um, but I don't know. It, it would be kind of interesting if he went there. But no, I would I would agree that a team that is young, a team that's kind of really needs to find their way. I think Kamal Anthony would help. Um, but Sacramento probably would be an interesting option considering Sacramento is playing well. Sacramento is, I would say, already over exceeding expectations at this point. You know, Darren Fox is the King's best player. But yeah, so we, we talked about Jimmy Butler. We've talked about Kamal Anthony. And like I mentioned earlier, we talked about, we want to talk about the Boston Celtics. Um, but it's not just going to be about the Celtics. It's kind of a little bit of a segment. We're going to talk about four teams. Kind of rating about their first month of the season. Two two teams that have kind of started off slow. Actually, one has started off slow. One's just been a disaster. And we're also going to talk about two teams that have been kind of surprised Surprise starts. They're they're top half of their conference. Um, and we're gonna kind of. I'll ask you questions. You can ask me questions about is this sustainable? Are they gonna continue playing like this through the rest of November, through the rest of December into January? Um, so obviously we're gonna start with Boston. They're not doing too good right now. They're seven and six, sixth place in the Eastern Conference. As a fan, as a Celtics fan, it's been tough. Because I really think that expectations were very high on them. And I think as soon as LeBron left for Cleveland, I think everybody thought that they were the anointed Eastern Conference favorites. And I think talent-wise, they probably still are because they have the most talent, I feel like, in the East. But it's been, a, it's been a struggle. It's been a struggle getting everybody to buy into their roles. You know, Kyrie Irving's been consistent. I mean, he had... A little bit of a slow start in the first couple games, but Kyrie's been probably the leader of the team, and you know I wouldn't have, I would not have even believed if you had told me that Marcus Morris would be their second best player, but it, it looks like it is. Jason Tatum has pretty much picked off where he left, but there's been a lot of players that just have not been really comfortable in the roles that they've been in, uh, notably Jalen Brown and especially Gordon Hayward. And, you know, are you kind of surprised about the Celtics' slow start? Or do you think it's something that, you know, they'll fix as the season goes on? Because, I mean, it's 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 almost like, man, they have so much talent, they're, they're eventually going to break through, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's, that's exactly it. Like, it is so early in the season to be making – any kind of call about anyone, even the Orlando Magic. So, like, the way that I think the Celtics need to work is a little differently than maybe the roster that they have right now. I think they have a lot of the same thing, and I think they're just trying to um, make a nice versatile lineup with Hayward 
Tatum and Brown at the two, three, four interchangeably. That's just like dangerous offensively right there. You throw in Kyrie Irving and Al Horford, who's a really good point center. That's like that's obviously a top two team in the East, so that's not even talking about their bench. Mm-hmm. We we have so much season left. It's kind of unfair to put a cap on Boston as a whole. Like that's mm-hmm. that's that's the more talented team than Toronto. That's uh, it's probably more talented than Philly as well. Right. Maybe right. Even Milwaukee. But yeah, it, it is interesting. Um, you know, I know there's a lot of Celtics fans that you know that I know, and then a lot of Celtics fans that I follow on Twitter that are very upset i think that they've kind of made some <laughs> false assumptions about the season already but it is worth noting that the big three in 2011 the 2010 2011 season uh of the miami heat the first year that lebron came to miami and joined chris bosh and Dwayne wade they started off nine and eight and you know where they obviously went they went to the finals but you know it it, it is interesting because just you, you mentioned how the Celtics really between Hayward, between Tatum and Brown, great offensive weapons, great offensive arsenal. But it's been pretty much the opposite. I mean, th- their defense is still tops, I believe, in defensive rating. They're really getting after teams defensively. But it's been the offense, and it's actually interesting. I actually found a stat the other day. So. Coming into the game, I believe, against Portland, the Celtics averaged 23.7 wide-open field goal attempts, which means the closest defender is six feet or more away. And they only trail M- Milwaukee in that category, and they have, they've actually taken 23.8% of those attempts. The problem is the Celtics are shooting at it's just a ludicrous, just a laughable low rate. They're just not making a lot of open threes. And it's frustrating because Jalen Brown was a 40% three-point shooter last year. Kerry Irving, when he was healthy, could knock it down. Probably better than any of the top point guards. And Jason Tatum was making them at a high rate. But it just it's, it's a make-or-miss league right now. And you can make an argument in the NBA right now and just, you know, they're, they're just not hitting. And I feel like for the Celtics right now, not this, this should not be something they should do long-term, but I think something now probably maybe for the rest of November is I didn't think I would say it, but I think the Celtics probably should bring Gordon Hayward off the bench. And I think that they should roll with a lineup of Kyrie, Marcus Smart, Jason Tatum, yes. Al Horford and Aaron Bain. So I'm also including Jalen Brown to come off the bench because I really feel like those two just have not been in sync. You know, the Brown one, I'm pretty more mystified because, you know, I thought Jalen Brown was really breaking through. And he, I mean, and he's still probably going to end up being the third or fourth best scorer on the team. And, you know, Hayward, I'm pretty much kind of understanding because – Again, it, it takes so much time to rehabilitate from that injury. And, you know, Hayward's slow start kind of reminds me a little bit about Paul George's slow start when he came after he got injured. 
Uh, and when he came back from injury, spent an entire year recovering. I feel like he just – he's not in sync here. He's not making threes at a great rate. He's really lost defensively. And defensively was – you know, he was really good in that part of his game when he was in Utah. So, you know, Marcus Smart's been giving him really good minutes. He's given him great production. Um, I still feel like Boston really – could use Daniel Taze because with him out, it hurts because he's he's probably one of the better backup bigs in the league. He rebounds very well. Um, he defends at a high rate, but he's out. He's out. He's been out for the past couple for the past week or so. So they probably need him back. But you know, I think that a a lineup adjustment would serve them well. Um, but kind of moving on, sticking with the Eastern Conference theme. It's kind of on the other opposite end of the spectrum, not just average, averageness that you're dealing with the Boston Celtics. You're dealing with just absolute incompetency, and that is the Washington Wizards. Yeah. The Ooh, Wizards yeah, that's are a, that's a dumpster fire. You know, Wizards thirteenth in the East right now. I mean, I know the Wizards have been accustomed to these really slow starts of the season, but. It's just been – it's been ugly. It's really ha- has been ugly. Um, you know, you did talk – you did mention it before, Noah, how it is It is very early in the season. Would you pull the panic button on Washington or no, right now? This is a rare situation where I would just because of the personalities at play. John Wall and Dwight Howard together, I think that's – that's kind of a – on a team-building perspective, that's taboo. You're kind of asking for it, if you know what I mean. Like, this is also a team that struggles – all three of their best players struggle with their health. John Wall, uh, Bradley Beal, and Dwight Howard have all missed significant time over the last five years. Um. Really, their only piece of value to me is Kelly Oubre um, and probably Troy Brown as well. Yeah. They're a first-rounder from last year, but other than that, they are filled with bloated contracts and really personalities like Markeith Morris that kind of shroud the locker room a little bit and Things get a little misty in there, you know what I mean? They tend to get some rumors out of that uh, dressing room. So, mm-hmm. I I don't know. That's that's it's an interesting uh, some interesting stuff I play there for sure. Yeah, I mean the the John Wall, Bradley Beal, and Otto Porter Jr. contracts are absolutely just handicapping that payroll. It's it's pretty incredible how. Much of that, much of their payrolls are just getting consumed by three players. But I kind of feel like Washington is, you know, I feel like Washington really kind of blew their chance. You know, Washington had a small window in 2015, 16, 2016, 17, and they couldn't get it done. And now you're kind of starting to see the after effects. And, you know, 
it's tough. You know, I feel like if Washington doesn't dig themselves out of the out of this hole and they don't make the playoffs at all this year, I feel like that there would be there might be a situation where they would have to move John Wall, rely on Bradley Beal, probably rely on Kelly Oubre, but that's a situation that that's down the road. And I think it would be a situation that they would have to address if they don't make the playoffs. But I, there's just so much – there's there's too much talent for them not to make the playoffs right now. But it's really, really looking grim for them. But, um, but kind of switching gears a little bit. So we've talked about two teams that have not really met expectations so far to two teams that have, in my opinion, have overachieved, and that's Portland – and Denver, Portland is the second best team in the West. Ten and three. Denver nine and four. The third best team in the West. You know, I think there's a lot of people that believe that Houston was still the second best team in the West at the start of the season, right behind Golden State, and that very well could be the case. Houston, talent-wise, they can still rise to the top, but. You know, Denver, I think most people expected them to make the playoffs this year, considering they've been really close the past couple of years, you know, finished ninth place the past two years. But Portland, Portland's very surprising to me because, again, they had their first-round playoff exit last year in New Orleans, and obviously we don't know what's going to happen as the season goes on. But, you know, there's a lot of rumors out there about Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum breaking up. One of them, you know, Portland making a trade, getting rid of them, and kind of doing a little mini rebuild. Um, wh- what are your thoughts on Portland so far? Because Damian Lillard's had a really good year. He's had, he's had a very good – he's been playing like an MVP right now. Portland's been getting some good minutes out of their bench that they've never gotten before. They've made some adjustments with how they run their bench. Um, and Evan Turner is now the primary ball handler there, uh, coming off the bench at least. And they play McCollum on his own with Turner more often than they play Millard and Turner together. So it's... um. What Portland's doing is they're trying to just squeeze what they can out of their bad contracts. Mm-hmm. Um, like they still play Myers Leonard for some minutes a night, and uh, they've been they've but they've been getting like they've they've you know I'm, I I you can ask me a million questions about Portland and for some reason I just cannot buy into them. I like Zach Collins. I think Zach Collins will probably be better than Yusuf Nurkic by the end of the season. But at the same time, I don't think he solves their issues on the wing. And I think we need to pull back on Portland a little bit because there are teams like, you know, LA and New Orleans that are, or the Lakers, I mean, the Lakers and New Orleans that are out of the playoff picture right now, but New Orleans beat Toronto tonight. And, the Lakers have a uh, very familiar face on their team named LeBron James. So I think that there's going to be a, a bit of a pendulum swing in the West there with 
some teams at the bottom getting hot, whether it be L.A., New Orleans, maybe even Houston mm-hmm. with Paul and Harden. Okay, so, so do you think that there's going to be a cons- probably team in the – so what you're kind of saying is there's really not going to be a consistent force behind Golden State. Would, do you, Is that kind of what you're kind of getting at? Is that it's going to be pretty much whoever – it's going to be just whoever gets hot and cold in the West after Golden State? Because you reference pendulum swing. I don't. I don't think anybody's gonna even touch Golden State, but like the West, I think there are just so many good teams. Mm-hmm. Really, there are probably twelve or or eleven or twelve teams that could realistically make the playoffs in the West. Still, uh, there are some teams I think that are a little bit out of there, like Phoenix. Um, Dallas, I guess I would say Minnesota too, but other than that, I think the other 12 teams in the West are all more than capable of making the playoffs, so it'll be interesting to see how that plays out, because teams like Memphis, uh, let's say, I guess even Portland, team nobody was expecting Portland to come out this hot, they're not really coming out with anything new, they're just using some pieces differently, kind of like the Raptors last year. That's why I'm not buying the Trailblazers because my Raptors were the same and they ended up stinking. <laughs> kind of stinking just because of uh, Mr. LeBron James came into Portland. Sorry, came into Canada. <laughs> um, all right, so do you feel the same way about Portland as you, Denver? Or no? Because, Denver I mean, because De- Denver. Denver's new to this. I mean, Denver really, you know, hasn't been in the playoffs for the past couple of years, but you know, they're getting good performance from Jamal Murray, Jokic, um, Paul Millsap. I mean, they're one of the better offenses in the in the uh, league right now. Well, they were one of the better offenses in the league for most of last year. I think this is a bit of a positive regression. You see Nikola Jokic, whom I've been wrong about. I'll admit to, to that. I'm definitely wrong about Nikola Jokic, but he's a he's a superstar. Um, they have a great guard tandem in Murray and Harris. And losing Will Barton really hurt, but for them to be still playing this well, um, and for Paul Millsap to be having such a strong start as well, um, Denver has really showed out, and they've been deep for years. So they might actually be for real. I can believe them. They kind of have a transcendent talent in Jokic. So also Jamal Murray cooked the Celtics last oh, week. Oh, yeah, so. bro. Jamal Murray. Didn't he have 50? Didn't he drop 50 points? He almost he almost got that 50-piece. Yeah, yeah he, got, he got 48. It was – and that was, that was the, a close call. That was the eventful uh, Kyrie Irving chucking the ball, and then that turned into a great meme. With uh, on Twitter when Kyrie Irving threw the ball, they turned it that turned into a round Earth, and then it hit LeBron in the face. <laughs> <laughs> All right, with that, I believe we've reached a very good stopping point.
in our first podcast. I think you know we were able to cover most of the we were able to cover all the topics that we planned on. We talked about the Jimmy Butler trade in pretty good detail. Briefly went over Kamala Anthony and the teams that have kind of gotten off to surprising starts. And we ended it with Karis LeVert. So Noah and I will be back for another episode in the future. We'll be back talking more NBA with the bounce pass. So signing off. This is your host, Stephen Abramo. And uh, Noah, do you want to sign out? Thanks, Steve. Have a good night, folks. Look, mama hit my phone and said rap's no good. Better than it telling me the check's no good. Now they want to act like I do no good. Funny because I really did more than I should. I made a decision last night that I would die for it.